The WNR podcast is live. My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello. I'm James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And it is the WNR 133 today, part one, episode 133, and we are live for the WWE Survivor Series 2017 event. But before we get any further, let's do the alternate intro for this show. And it is the 2nd of the 3rd, 2015, Monday Night Raw, 1136. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. I'm the advocate for the reigning, defended, undisputed WWE heavyweight champion of the world, Brock Lesnar. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I came here tonight to the rancid city of New York to set a record straight, to address the rumours and shoot from the hip. So here we go. Yes, it's true. My client, Brock Lesnar, will be at WrestleMania. Believe that. My client Brock Lesnar will be anywhere he damn well pleases before WrestleMania. My client Brock Lesnar will be anywhere he damn well pleases after WrestleMania and he will be there as the undisputed WWE heavyweight champion of the world because my client Brock Lesnar will be his champion for as long as he damn well pleases. I think that's Paul Hamer's talking about talking about Brock Lesnar. I'm not sure, but I, I was I wasn't that sure, but <laughs> yeah. yes, it was either Brock or Block Lesnar. Yeah, okay, right, one little mistake, but still, we are live, so anything can happen here. Dan, are you excited for Spy Series tonight? Um, not as excited as you was last night, but we'll get into that. Yes, what we talk about right now because we are coming out of NXT Takeover. We're not going to give away any of the predictions that we gave last night. But uh, it was a travesty of justice. Did you enjoy Takeover? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I think we best get out of the way of addressing the elephant in the room, and it, that is because everyone knows how much of a big fan of Drew McIntyre you really are. And you know, you met him when we was on the Independence. He's shirt of yours, and you know, you, you are a huge fan of his, even from when he was back in the Free MB, and. Uh, I've always, I've always, I've always followed him, and yeah, it was uh, a hiccup. But why did we get knocked down? Is to pick ourselves back up again, so we can look forward. I mean, apart from that, the rest of the card was fantastic, wasn't it? So, well, even that match was great, and you know, you even admitted it straight after. Yeah, no, it, it was. I tell you something, it was. It was the best NXT title match that we've seen this year. Uh, of everything we saw in ring wise, they really did deliver. But it's not about NXT Takeover; it's about Survivor Series. But I should say thank you for everybody who listened last night. We had over five thousand of you tuning in to our live show and all the NXT coverage that happened. And uh, we hope you're doing exactly the same here tonight. As the WWE Network have started their kickoff on their show, we're doing ours. And the main difference is basically ours is fun. Hopefully, hopefully everybody yes, can have a laugh. You know, we haven't got 
Michaels? No, we haven't. Sure, Michaels is on the panel, but we've got a lot else. We've got we've got games. We've got latest episode two or five live. We've got the news. We're going to run down the cards and everything in between. But to prove we are live, before Survivor Series kickoff started, we had the WWE 24 series Goldberg and Dan. What were your thoughts and what you saw? Um, well, you know, I'm a huge fan of Goldberg. I enjoyed him throughout his days in WCW, and it was just like a a bit of a Backstage intel, he had cameras following him around from the six-week build-up to Survivor's return and beat Brock Lesnar in incredible fashion very quickly. And then, um, you know, it was great seeing him training and we noticed that he's always got a cut on his head. <laughs> yeah, that is and, always, yeah. You know, it was just good him going backstage, meeting all the newer talent that he's probably not spoken to or, you know, he's not had much interaction with. Yeah, I mean, that was the interesting thing. He said that last time around he wanted to keep himself to himself. So he seemed a bit like a loner or, you know, a bit like a prima donna. Like you said, this time around going there, meeting everybody, uh, giving everybody a handshake and a hug and, and actually enjoying this experience this time around. And I love the W24 series because you actually, they forget about the camera after a while and you'd see hints of the real person there. And um, I think it's really, really good. And also, another interesting program starting tomorrow after Monday Night Raw is the WWE Network. It's the 365, a whole new series. And it's it's a, a year in the life of a WWE wrestler. And it's Kevin Owens, a new series that's starting. Yeah. That, that's got to be quite interesting. I mean, we will be having a look at that, of course. But it is Survivor Series. And uh, talking about Survivor Series moving on. Kalisto versus Enzo Amore is the only title match at Survive Series, and it got pushed back to the pre-show instead of being featured on the main card. Well, this is hardly the first time 205 Live superstars have been relegated to the kickoff show, but it seemed like that trend stopped after they were given a prominent placement on the TLC and No Mercy pay-per-views. Well, regardless of where view it has the potential to steal the show unfortunately for Kalisto Amore's biggest strength is his promo ability not his wrestling ability but before the luchador faces the loud mouth let's take a look at everything that happened in this week's episode of 205 live so November 14th episode 51 and the Brian Kendrick and Jack Hager versus Rich Swan and Cedric Alexander well, WWE has been doing a lot of specialty matches on 205 Live recently, and the pattern continued this week with a Tornado tag team match. Alexander and Swan battled their current rivals, Kendrick and Gallagher, in what turned out to be a more physical contest than expected. Yeah, we're seeing the early going, Alexander and Rich Swan coming out here, trying on Jack and Brian. Gone to the outside now, and Jack's turned the tables on Rich Swan. Oh, only for so long on Swan. And there's Kendrick with Alexander sending him into the apron. So Tornado tag, any, I guess anything goes at the moment. Oh, and Gallagher drop kicking uh, Alexander. Yeah. Straight over the announcer table. <laughs> Thanks for confirming that. <laughs> Nearly went into the announcers and uh, Swan tried fighting back, but he's getting beaten down by both Kendrick and Gallagher. And now they're going to try and two-on-one attack Rich Swan on the apron. Oh, face first off the apron there. But both men, again, focusing their attentions to one man, beating him down. And I don't think uh, Alexander's quite recovered from being thrown over the announcer table. Uh, and I think Jack Gallagher has completely turned, hasn't he, now, to the dark side, embracing it. Oh, it's... what, as if he hadn't before? No, because it's completely different. It's like a different man now. So vicious in the ring. We saw him just pummeling him with the punches. All that kind of light jackiness that I, I, I liked with wrestling, you know, his work and stuff like this is completely gone. He's just 
quite a nasty little man. Well, Kendrick went for a pin attempt. Swan kicked out. Ah. Then Jack Gallagher thought he'd try his luck for a pin attempt, but he kicked out again. Ah. They can't keep Rich Swan down, but they're, they're trying their hardest here. Cedric up in the apron. And Swan gets thrown out of the ring. And now it's uh, Alexander's turn to get beaten down, but he, oh, backslide on Kendrick, kicks Gallagher in the midsection, rolls through, flips Kendrick over with a lovely head scissors takedown, knocks him out of the ring. And now Alexander's going crazy cleaning house. Catches Jack's boot there and responds with a beautiful elbow. Oh, and Gallagher's selling it beautifully. Handspring, oh, backflips over uh, Gallagher. Oh, gets t- turns Gallagher inside out. Oh. Kendrick comes in and breaks up the pin attempt. I think Jack might have been over headbutt in some point there, and Cedric saw it coming. Brian Kendrick, the veteran in this match, though, when his partner was in trouble, getting in there, stopping it. Backflip, and Jack's momentum just took him over. Partnered him with an Irinagi of some sorts. And now Kendrick looking to put Alexander away. <laughs> Alexander with drop toe hold. Kendrick hits the turnbuckle hard. And we're going to see Ced- Cedric springboarding. Oh, and Gallagher pushes Kendrick out the way and headbutts Cedric in the backside, I believe. He's uh, into O'Brien, didn't get hurt. Well, it seems like Gallagher received some sort of a flying stink face. Brian go for the cover, but Cedric managing to kick out. Uh. And now it's taken Rich Swan time to recover on the outside, but this might be it. Oh, Captain's hook is locked in. He's got Alexander's head wrenched back. Well, Cedric can only hold on for so long. Before he has to tap. Oh, but he gets caught by Gallagher. And I both Gallagher's got, Gallagher's got an armbar on Swan. Alexander looks to be fading fast. Look at the visual of Jack as well. Oh, I haven't seen this in a while. The old arm check. Ah! Oh. <laughs> Swan saved his partner. Lifting his arm up. Oh, oh and now he's got the captain's hook and armbar on Alexander. Uh, on Swan. Well, this is not going to last long. Rich Swan. Dance your way out of there, Richie boy. I don't think he can. I think this is over. Oh, but Alexander's recovered and hits both men, breaking up the hold. Well, it was all four men down, but Brian Kendrick back up. Seems to be calling the shots in this match. Got a hold of Cedric now. Alexander fighting back. Oh, gets rammed into a corner. <laughs> and Jack flies in with some big boots. And now Kendrick's got him. Slice bread. Oh! Plants him, turns him inside out. Go for the cover. Two. Two. Oh, but Swan at the last second there. Swan diving in. <laughs> saving oh, thank it. You. And saving it for his team. Brian Kendrick can't believe it. He's had Rich Swan or Alexander beaten about five or six times. Just different circumstances have stopped it. Well, both men are turning their attention to Swan, beating him down in the corner. Well, Cedric, I think, is out at the moment. He's not even looking. At the action in the ring. And Rich Swan, though, caught Brian Kedrick with a huge right hand. Oh. Jack with a kick. Got them both set up. Beautiful. Double leg drop to the back of each man's head. Oh. Goes for a cover on both men. Oh, but both men managing to kick out. Uh. Well, he could get Jack down, but now he's got the position for maybe... The Phoenix Splash. Yeah, which is a beautiful move to see. And, oh... Well, the umbrella of Jack has gone flying away. William. Well, William the fourth or fifth now. That's Rich Swan now. He's in a position that Brian Kendrick's got him. Oh, Cedric Alexandro stopped Brian Kendrick. Hit the suplex. Oh, he's got him up on his shoulders. But Kendrick with the elbows to the head manages the backslide. Throws Alexander out. 
Oh. An attack Swan who was trying to climb up the top. And now Jack Gallagher's recovered and both men. Both Kendrick and Gallagher. Yep, they've got Swan. Oh! oh. <laughs> Four throwing him off. One, two. Oh! But Swan somehow managed to kick out. Uh, I'll tell you what, credit to Rich Swan there to manage to get the shoulder up. Oh, Alexander's just dragged Jack out of the ring by his leg. Well, Cedric's been on a roll as of late. I think Rich Swan's out. Jack's down. He's got Kendrick in his sights. He doesn't look very happy. And He's stalking Brian. <laughs> Kendrick's looking more confusion, I think. Kendrick runs into a kick. Springboard. Clothesline takedown. I tell you, the height. The height Cedric gets on the springboard. Get height. He's fantastic. And now he's got Brian Kendrick up. Oh, looking for the lumbar check, but Kendrick rolls out of it. Yeah, went for the big boot and oh. Catches him with a super kick. <laughs> Just rocks him. Cedric thought he dodged it, but he's in trouble now. Flips him over for the captain's hook, but now he rolls through. A lovely... Sp- and those elbows are so dangerous. He's got Kendrick, but Jack's back in. Oh, look for the lumbar check, but Gallagher with a double drop kick to the back of Alexander's leg. And Jack has been there to save Brian in this match. It's, they're making quite a good team. This has been a bloody good match so far. It has been. And Swan and Alexander, well, all four men down. This moment time, I think Jack's trying to get his breath back. He's such a tough match that he's unbuttoned his um, waistcoat. It's a waste of a coat. <laughs> and here and comes, he's, got, yeah, well, he's got Alexander in his sights, comes running in. Oh, oh but Swan catches him with a super kick. <laughs> Bye-bye, Jack. Sends him tumbling <laughs> to the outside. And now Kendrick, I think, realises he's in a two-on-one situation for the first time. Situation. situation. Oh. Oh. But Swan dives through the middle rope with a lovely spinning DDT on Gallagher. Lumbar oh. check to Kendrick. There we go. One, two, three. <laughs> wow. And a mere five minutes ago, we thought both these men were going to tap out. <laughs> but no, Alexander gets the victory. They do. Uh, fantastic. You know, Lumbar check to end it there. Both teams gelling. I don't know if it's just a case of them being, you know, against each other the past couple of months or something like this. But you can see a chemistry growing between the two. And there was a few moments there. I think a really, really good match. Yeah. Well, everyone was more focused on throwing punches than flying. But Swan and Alexander couldn't resist a few risky manoeuvres. I'll tell you something else. Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness clearly had no idea Alexander was going to fly over the announce table <laughs> after getting a drop kick him. But they recovered like pros. Yeah, well, as you were saying, both these teams have developed great chemistry in recent weeks and would make great additions to the Raw or SmackDown tag team division. They could chase the tag team titles while they wait for a shot of the cruiserweight belt. Yeah, most definitely. And the spot with a dual submission. The crowd didn't seem to appreciate the drama of the moment, but it came across great on television. Yes, and did you know, James, that Charlotte won on SmackDown, Alexander won on 205 Live, and that's two hometown heroes winning on the same night. It might be a record. I think that is a record. Usually they like to, you know, have them lose and embarrass them in front of the hometown. But the next match is Aria Davari versus Mustafa Ali. Well, before the match got started, Davari gave a promo talking about how much Amore has helped the entire Cruiserweight division since 205 Live. Well, with his shit performance in the ring, he's making everyone else look a million times better. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. His opponent for the night was Mustafa Ali. This is a combination we have seen countless times in 2017, so there was no reason to care about the outcome. Well, both men are competitive performers. But they are treading water. Ali is gifted in the ring, but can't cut a promo to save his life. And Davari is decent on the mic, but he hasn't shown much creativity in the ring. So, <laughs> Davari gave Ali his talking talent, 
Davari could just fuck off. Exactly, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it would sort everything out. But like their previous encounters, this match was good, but nothing to write home about. Both of them are capable of more, but they haven't been given many chances to show it. So let's just watch the end of this, because it's always good to, uh, to see Mustafa Ali hit his finisher. And of course, we've argued about this finisher many a time. <laughs> Mustafa Ali! Oh! And the inverted 450. <laughs> yes, the reverse 450 is a thing of absolute beauty. Tavari put up a good fight until Ali finished him off what he calls the 054, which of course is the 450. It's hard to decide if the nickname Davari Dinero is great or awful. Well, there is no decision to be made. It is awful. Yeah. Well, Ali might have the best among all the cruiserweights. It seems like he never loses. But then Davari, on the other hand, is becoming the Kurt Hawkins of 205 Live. It's hard to think of more than one or two wins on his record. Yeah, well, of course, he's associated with Enzo, so that kind of rubs off, doesn't it? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> but our main event was Kalisto versus Drew Gulak. WWE promoted some kind of birthday celebration for Kalisto on this week's show. Once a large cake was shown at ringside, it seemed like somebody's face smashed into it, and it was an inevitability. Well, thanks to Amore and all the party favours at ringside, this bout included a few pointless and ridiculous moments, but the hijinks was kept at a reasonable level. Drew Gulak ended up dominating most of the match, which was pleasant, which was a pleasant surprise compared to his usual booking. But we all know Kalisto would win to build momentum, leading into his Survivor Series showdown with Amore. I'll tell you something, the difference between Gulak and Enzo is Gulak is... Can wrestle. Gulak, well, not only... Oh, well, okay, there's a lot of things then. Not only can he wrestle, but just in the comedy aspect of it, whereas Gulak, what he says is funny, and he doesn't really try to be funny. It's that kind of character he's portraying yeah. compared to what Enzo does, who he thinks he's funny, but he's actually just a dickhead. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of kind of an obnoxious guy who, who tells <coughs> jokes, you know, talks loudly and shouts and thinks he's hilarious, laughs at his own jokes, compared to the guy that just, you know, little comments here and there and actually gets a genuine laugh. And I think that's the difference between Enzo and Gulak. Yes, the one major difference is, major, <laughs> major difference, difference, is that I don't need to laugh at my own jokes because everyone else does. <gasps> a lovely corkscrew elbow there after a springboard off the second rope takes down Drew Gulak. It was like Gulak's been in control most of the match. Oh, but he runs into a big elbow from Gulak. I think Gulak should align himself back with Tony Nice. Yeah, I quite like that tag team. They'd have some good matches against you know the team of Alexander and Swan and uh, Kendrick and Gallagher. Yeah, I think they could really build a tag team division here on 205. As Kalisa just hit his short Hurricane Rana and Gulak. Oh, but Gulak managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Well, Kalisto suicide dived. Gulak went to the outside, thought he was safe. But the no-fly zone was lifted. Kalisto hit him. Kalisto hit him oh, through back Enzo, in. Oh, but Enzo, the cheating, motherfucking annoying cunt, <laughs> just took his legs out of money for him. Well, to be <coughs> to be fair, referee didn't see it. If he'd have seen it, it would have been a disqualification. Look at Enzo flashing his championship belt. At least he's not wrestling, Dan. At least he's not wrestling. Yes, but I still have to see him. You do have to see him. You have to see him on the kickoff here tonight as well. DVD of it. He won't be there. <laughs> Looks like Gulak's going to go for the Dragon Sleeper. Oh, Cedar Del Sol. One, two, three. Thank you very much. Oh, Gulak looked to be in control. And oh, Enzo Amores come right into the ring and beating up Kalisto. And oh, this is a, just a 
cheap act. All of Enzo is just a cheap act. Uh, well, yeah, I'll tell you what, how poor Enzo is. He can't even afford jeans without holes in Dan, all right? So don't worry about that. And now Enzo throws Kalisto out. I don't think Enzo's finished. Oh, no, come on, guys. Step up in Seguri to Enzo. If he was a wrestler, he would have expected something like that to happen, but yeah. he's not. No, he's not. Enzo's going to be down for quite a while. Kalisto's got Enzo. And what's he going to do? Oh, Gulak comes in from behind. Oh, Kalisto wants to send Enzo in the cake and Gulak saved him. Oh, now Gulak. Announcing it's party time. Looking to powerbomb. Oh, no, but Kalisto with a backslide. Oh. Kicks Amore, kicks Gulak. And now Enzo running away. Enzo's out of it. He doesn't want none of Kalisto. And Enzo's got to face Kalisto at Survivor Series. Kalisto's just taking a sit down quickly. And he's not finished, is he? No, he's running backstage. He's going to get him some more of Enzo. Well, they're just telling us that Survivor Series kickoff will be Enzo versus Kalisto. Enzo's saying no cake for him, and they've got the cake there. No! Oh! <laughs> oh, a waste of cake. Or can Enzo have his cake and eat it at Survivor Series? Well, Amore predictably attacked Kalisto after the bell, but the Mars Superstar got the last laugh when he put Amore's head into the cake which had somehow transported itself backstage after the match was over. Did Enzo want some amore of that cake? (laughs) Gulak's understated comedic genius is becoming one of the best things about 205 Live every week. This gimmick started off slow, but he's worked hard to win a lot of people over. But seriously, how did the cake get backstage so fast? I've no idea. I mean, Gulak might have run it back for Enzo. Davari came out and has scored it. I'm just not sure. All right, so that was 2.05 Live, and we just found out, they just tweeted, or Shane McMahon did, is that Natalia will be making up the Miss Women's Smackdown elimination match. I mean, it's not that much of a surprise. I was hoping for a little bit more, though, weren't you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but, you know, it's she put up a good fight against Charlotte, so she probably deserves her place in the team. Yeah. So no. she's still on the card. Yeah, exactly. That's what Shane thinks as well. So fair play. But we do move on to news. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Hudson has obtained a protective order against former fiancé David Utunga after the pair called time on their 10-year relationship. News of the couple going their separate ways was broken by people, with Hudson's representatives telling the outlet they have been in the process of ending their relationship for a number of months. The statement continued to the revealed to continue to reveal that Dream Girl star Hudson was granted the protective order against Utunga in the best interest of their son, eight-year-old David Daniel Utunga Jr. Well, further details of why Hudson was granted the order have not yet been revealed. Labelling the protective order meritless, Rizzo claimed that Hudson decided to go down that route in a bid to get custody of her and Utunga's son after it became apparent to Miss Hudson that Mr Utunga would be the parent granted residential care of the child as a result of Mr. Atunga being the child's primary caregiver, while Miss Hudson pursues her career all over the world. As a result of Mr. Utunga's career in the WWE, Miss Hudson felt she could give an award-winning performance in court to portray herself as the victim. The statement continued. Mr. Utunga had never abused or harassed Miss Hudson or their son, and it is unfortunate, especially in today's climate, that she would feel the need to make these false allegations against him. Mr. Utunga looks forward to the day, to his day in court, and 
in being awarded residential care of the party's only child. Well, Hudson has yet to respond to her ex-statement, and Utunga popped the question to Hudson in September 2008 after less than a year of dating, and the pair welcomed son David into the world in August 2009. But now we've just found out WWE announcer David Utunga will miss Survivor Series due to the custody battle with Jennifer Hudson over his son. A former in-ring competitor as well, Utunga first made a mark in WWE as part of the popular Nexus faction in 2010, a group made up of participants in the WWE's inaugural season of NXT. That NXT was, of course, a long way from its current identity as a developmental brand and was in some ways more of a reality game show with wrestling matches. Utunga was suited for this, being a former reality star at the time. Other names to come out of this version of NXT include Daniel Bryan, Wade Barrett and Heath Slater. Well, Tunga's in-ring career never really got off the ground post-Nexus, although he did briefly hold the tag team titles with John Cena. By 2015, Otunga had officially retired as a wrestler and Trishan's over to a position as a WWE announcer. Following the 2016 brand extension, Utunga became part of the SmackDown announce team. He would then be moved to Raw in 2017 Superstar Shake-Up. And due to his acting commitments outside WWE, Utunga was eventually replaced by Booker T and Raw, and Utunga became a pre-show panellist before pay-per-view events on the WWE Network. But my point is, the only reason Utunga was kind of hired in the first place was due to his relationship with Jennifer Hudson. Do you think now Utunga has got a future with WWE? Um, well, you know, we've, we've never really been here or there with David Utunga. You know, he'll be as missed as someone else on the panel, you know, like Corey Graves yeah. or, you know, anyone else really on the panel. So, you know, it's, I think he's quite easily replaceable. Yeah, very generic. I mean, don't get me wrong, he had, he had a good body, but like you say, never really kind of broke out as a single star and never really became anything in WWE. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's listed on departure soon. And speaking of departures, Dan? Uh, yes, James, the chinless wonder, Ellsworth has been let go from the company. Ellsworth's final involvement with the promotion saw him lose an intergender match to Becky Lynch before his belle, Carmella, ended their on-screen relationship after several weeks of humiliating her crony. Well, Ellsworth, under the ring name of Jimmy Dream, was a regular on the independent circuit for over a decade before he was picked up by WWE. After a few appearances as part of Adam Rose's partying entourage, he was a memorable squash at the hands of fellow former Rosebud, Braun Strowman, which endeared him to the WWE audience and the the successful one-shot deal blossomed into a one-year contract and the new cult hero was drafted to SmackDown where he remarkably interfered in the WWE title picture involving Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles. When the novelty eventually wore off, the erstwhile jobber was repositioned as the perfect lackey for the obnoxious Carmella. Yeah, Ellsworth took to Twitter and said, Thank you, WWE, for letting me live my dream. Thank you, fans, for all the support. I'll continue to prove that any man with two hands has a fighting chance. And now WWE stars up and down the roster are reacting to the surprise future endeavouring of Ellsworth. Matt Hardy said, Classy statement. Be very proud of what you accomplish. Pretty Jimmy. Very few performers get to live the WWE dream. Chin up, figuratively. Strong, keep moving forward. See you down the road, pal. Uh, Dolph Ziggler said, Everyone's favourite underdog. Quietly and humbly lived his dream on TV. Gave others hope. Did what was asked made friends along the way and almost became world champ. Gross. You are what is wrong with pro wrestling. Real Ellsworth. Good riddance. P.S. I'm taking my finisher. Zach Ryder says, sad to see Real Ellsworth leave WWE, but happy I got to see him live his dream. 
T-shirt, Walkout WrestleMania, action figure, etc. James's favourite, Mojo Rawley, said, Really proud of you, buddy. You overcame all the odds to live the dream. True inspiration for all the underdogs out there. Scott Dawson said the world would be a much better place for more people like you. Undeniable work ethic, a great attitude. Thanks for letting millions of people live vicariously through you. And Carmella simply put an emoji heart. Yeah, I mean, for Ellsworth, no man who was given so little done so much with that. He literally made it work, didn't he? And, and to be fair to him, like I don't know if anybody else will be able to pull that off, especially in this day and age of kind of not being what a WWE superstar should look like. I mean, Ellsworth is running WWE as well, wasn't he? Well, you know, he's just an earlier, ver- well, a later version of uh, Zach Gowan. I think it's a little bit more than Zach Gowan, but I can see where you're coming from yeah, you in know, that way, yeah. He's, they, I think they've, they always need a comedic kind of character. You know, you had Santino, Morella, you've had Gowan, you know, you've had a few throughout the years. And, you know, no doubt there'll probably be another comedic style character coming through the ranks soon. Yeah. Well, but, apart from Enzo. Yeah, but that's Ellsworth. We thought we'd give you the, the, the proper shout out. Move on to quick news. And the recent Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens Twitter beef may not have been at work because a lot of SmackDown stars were upset with Owens and Sami Zayn over the issue that led to their being sent home for the European tour. Now, we've talked about this. I sent you a couple of messages about this, didn't I, as well? Yeah. Uh, it was Kevin Owens, uh, Randy Orton saying he'd given up vaping. Kevin Owens made a joke, was like, oh, I thought you actually like quit the company. And Orton said, no, if you have been here, you actually didn't know. It seemed like a couple of joke tweets, but... Obviously, maybe the uh, like I said, the beef is heating up about that. Well, I don't know. You know, it's it's a bit of banter. I'm sure we've said worse to each other. You know, it's. I think it's just a way a couple of mates have a laugh. Yeah. Um. You know, there was there was a bit beforehand about Randy Orton saying he's uh, training up to fight Kevin Owens, and he posted a picture of a massive McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> so it, it's banter, unless you think it. You know, too far. But uh, we had another little bit of speculation. As well, uh, yes, there's some speculation that Jason Jordan will indeed be turning heel soon. Yeah, I mean, we're going to run down the card and maybe Jason Jordan will be involved in one of the matches. I mean, we just don't know, do we? We we can't have what we had on Raw. We'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, and Alexa Bliss has joined the kickoff panel here to talk about her match with Charlotte later. Like I said, later on in the show, we will run down the card and talk about uh, every single match. And I've got some bad news for you, Dan. I've got some bad news. It's expected that viruses will have a lot of overrun. As W plans to give everyone plenty of time. With so many entrances, they can end up running close to five hours just for the pay-per-view portion. Ah, oh, so it's going to be a really late night <laughs> yeah. here tonight, then. Yeah. Um, but I've got some good news. Oh, right, go on then. It is still expected that Ricochet is coming to WWE early next year. Yeah, there we go. So. And, you know, we've... I'm not sure if you shared it on the Twitter, but there's a picture of you with Drew McIntyre, one of your favourite independent stars that joined the NXT and, you know, made himself big in the company, even though we lost last night. <clears throat> but Ricochet, you know, we've me and him have got a very comedic photo together and he was, you know, it was a great bit of interaction when we, when we met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I wish him all the best and yeah. hopefully he joins WWE and gets the place he deserves. It's a shame he treated me and said he doesn't like you anymore. But anyway, we'll move on. And in the year of expecting the unexpected even in WWE is almost guaranteed that there will be some twists and turns here tonight at Survivor Series. 
Well, one of the superstars not currently booked at the annual elimination extravaganza who may yet play a pivotal part in the event. Let's well, take a look. Yeah, so we're going to some superstars that are not yet on the show. So first up, Jinder Mahal. The modern-day Maharaja retains a bitterness towards AJ Styles after the phenomenal one took his W Championship from him in Manchester, even though he did beat Randy Orton three times for the W title and has spoken several times of his desire to avenge that loss. Mahal was no stranger to outside interference during his near six-month title reign, with his acolytes, the Singh brothers, often helping to keep his title. Well, AJ Styles changed the landscape of both SmackDown and Survivor Series when he defeated Jinder Mahal to caption his second WWE Championship. Styles has his hands full with Brock Lesnar as it is. ...from Mahal and his boys could swing the momentum even further towards the beast. But with Triple H lining up a showdown with Jinder in the forthcoming tour of India, he might decide his plate is currently full enough. Uh, up next, we've got Jason Jordan, and it seems impossible to think that Jordan will accept the actions of Triple H and his own father, Kurt Angle, on Raw this week, and the gigantic snub he suffered by being removed from this weekend's big elimination match. Well, the only question that remains is how will he decide to involve himself in the 5-on-5 five five contest, and whether it will be the game who takes the brunt of his ira, or Angle himself. Well, Triple H replaced the injured Jason Jordan on the Red Brand Survivor Series team in devastating fashion. Jordan got over the wronged crybaby routine perfectly on Monday night and the fans are fully ready to get behind his turn to the dark side, just like his father before him. Another two guys that weren't featured on the show until recently were Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I mean, these are two guys who have been absolutely destroying SmackDown as of late. I've been really entertaining. But now they're actually announced on the kickoff show, aren't they, Dan? Um, yes, they've got a match against Breezango. Yeah, I mean, is that good enough for them, these two guys? <laughs> Um, I love Free Zanger, don't get me wrong, but you know. Yeah, I think they're more of a outside the ring comedy show than they are inside the ring wrestling performers. Yeah, I know. So it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, unless it's a complete squash, and Will Owens and Zane maybe interject themselves into the main event devices, we just don't know. But another person, Dan? Um, well, Daniel Bryan. And the SmackDown general manager has this week spoken about he, how he only has a 20% chance of being returned by uh, being cleared by WWE medical staff to make an in-ring return. But there remains a chance, albeit a very unlikely one, things have not been completely smooth between Brian McMahon ever since the former was choked down by Kane while on a mission to make peace with Raw a fortnight ago. Well, Daniel Bryan asked Shane McMahon why he never consulted, uh, consulted him about Brian has been left in the dark by Shane about his invasions, invasion plans while there is a shimmering resentment between the two. It seems unlikely he will be he will want to benefit Stephanie over his brother, given their track record. It is unlikely, therefore, that he will be involved in a physical sense. But could he join forces with someone else, either publicly or privately, to undermine his boss? The question's there, isn't it? I mean, Daniel Bryan, it would be fantastic if he was to return in ring. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Another person we might see is Paige. Interesting. Yeah. Well, several social media postings from WWE superstars confirmed the appearance of Paige backstage at Monday Night Raw in Atlanta this week, prompting widespread speculation even she was about to be added to the Raw team for the women's elimination match. Instead, it was Bailey who beat Mickie James and Dana Brooke in a triple threat match to book her spot in Alicia, Fox, sorry, in Alicia Fox's squad. However, the next night, Charlotte Flair won a SmackDown title by beating Natalia, meaning it would be the queen who faced Alexa Bliss in a champion versus champion match in Houston. Natalia 
will not complete in the match, freeing up a spot for an as yet unknown competitor. But it's yeah recently been confirmed that Natalia has earned her place in the squad. But Paige has still been training at the performance centre for some time, and her presence at television this week appears to be an almost guaranteed. But if recent WWE history have taught us anything, it is that now, more than ever, the unexpected expected. A monumental swerve could be pulled. There could be a roster switch, a one-off comeback from a retired veteran, an NXT call-up, anything. Nothing will be known for sure until the competitors' music hits on what promises to be an evening of shocks and surprises up and down the card. Well, moving on to other bit of news, the WWE's finally treating Survivor Series as a big four event. After running a distant fourth behind WrestleMania, SummerSlam and Royal Rumble, it looks like the WWE is making a real effort to improve on the overall Survivor Series experience. With an announcement by WWE, the next location for what is being dubbed Survivor Series Weekend 2018 has been chosen. Los Angeles, California and the Staples Centre will play host to four consecutive nights of WWE live events. We'll start on November 17th, 2018. The City of Angels will watch as NXT TakeOver, Survivor Series, Raw and SmackDown all jump off from the Staples Centre. Additional details on ticket and sale information and travel, travel packages will be announced in early 2018. So you have roughly 365 days to get hyped are you ready for Survivor Series in 2018, Dan? Um, well, there's a, a lot going to happen in between there and <laughs> now and then. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to build it up just too much just yet. No, but as the second longest running WWE pay-per-view, it's nice now that the Big Four are being treated as Big Four events and we keep them separate from the B-shows that we have. All right, so we move on and we've got some shout-outs and uh, first up, Dan, do you want to start us off with a shout-out so people have written in? Yep, uh, Brian Green, what was the point of the Shield getting back together? Uh, I think that's a really good question. If you look at it, what, what is the point? Well, it was originally for TLC. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, now they're going to go against New Day. Uh, I understand what he's saying because the Shield of old, they, you know, they wanted to be the Hounds of Justice. They were just running for everyone. They was intimidating, and now they're just, what, sticking up for Kurt Angle? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? They're being used in this way. What is the reason? Are we... Does it really matter at the moment? We're going to see a shield, and that's cool, but what are the purpose of the storyline? Is it just so Ambrose maybe turns Hill down the line or just something for Roman Reigns so he can get cheered? You know what I mean? It's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It is, yeah. But anyway, Tracy Patton said the women's elimination match will still the um, it certainly has a potential. We've seen some great women's matches, you know, of recent and seeing 10 of the best women superstars, well, aside from Alexa Bliss, you know, it could be a very interesting match and yeah, you know, it definitely has a potential to steal the show. Yeah. I, I, with all, like I say, the 10 women involved, I hope it is, you know, Oscar gets to show how dominant she is. But like I said, we'll talk about that match uh, in a little bit. Should say at the moment, because obviously this is live, we in the ring right now, Elias Sampson strumming away at his guitar. He's scheduled to face Matt Hardy on kickoff, is that right? He is indeed, yes. So that match, we're just going to let play in the background. What you can do, go on the W Network, have Survivor Series on, turn the volume down, and of course listen to us on in the background because we're doing shout-outs. And the next one, Dan? Uh, the Dark Heart. And he says, hope The Undertaker shows up tonight. Wow, I mean, that would be quite a scene, wouldn't it, if the Undertaker was to arrive? Well, what I'd like to see is the is Kane come out, 
closely followed by The Undertaker and then the Brothers of Destruction double chokeslam Braun Strowman oh, through yeah. the ring. That would be something very, very special. We'll see that tonight. We just don't know. Joseph Burktoad says, Great show, guys. Really look forward to the WL weekend. Uh, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. You know, we have so much else that we've got here on today's show. And of course, on Wednesday, we should say W Survive Series pay per view will be coming out on the WL podcast where we'll do our big prediction leagues and everything like that in between. Uh, but up next, next question uh, Paul Carr. Watch Raw or SmackDown only? Oh, so I guess he means pick between Raw or SmackDown if you could only watch one. What would you pick? Um, oh. <laughs> I'll probably go SmackDown. So, yeah, I, I might, I'll probably go SmackDown as well. Even though I know Raw's got these kind of big moments. It's an hour and a half, isn't it? SmackDown, yeah. and it gets by, and it's not too hard. I mean, if the question was Raw, SmackDown, NXT, it would definitely be NXT. Oh, most definitely NXT know. would win then. But yeah, out of Raw and SmackDown, yeah, it'd have to be SmackDown. Um, you know, for the main reason, Randy Orton. Well, Nakamura. Nakamura, Bobby Roode, you know, yeah. all these things. Uh, Anna Stone said, are the bar one of the most underrated tag teams? Now, they're going against the Usos, who, in my opinion, are one of the most underrated tag so I think in that match you've got two teams there. I think Sheamus and Cesaro going back to them. Sorry, they've really brought it this past few months, haven't they? You know, yeah, um, they've they've been doing well. But again, they've I think they've been working on distractions, and I don't think they've been utilised correctly because I've you know I really admire she- uh, Cesaro, Sheamus. Um, you know, n- neither here nor there with him. I think you know he he was given a push too early in his career. What I'd like to do is I'd like to see them wrestle against each other again because they had a great series of matches and hopefully Cesaro go for the heavyweight championship yeah. or universal title. Well, you know, Cesaro's got all the talent in the world, isn't he? You know, But uh, I think together as a team, I think they've gone about their business perfectly and had so much better matches. You compare them to like uh, the, the club or a tech team like that and they have their top quality matches each time and they've been involved in all the major storylines, major. Uh, next one, Dan. Uh, Jeff Dominic, could the Miz be a good guy? Well, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll I'll give mine. Um, I don't think he could. I think he works best as a cowardly kind of heel. Even though, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but a face couldn't really get away with stealing Daniel Bryan's yes. You know, his yes momentum, you know, and the kicks, or the it kicks, as he calls them. Um, And, you know, just the is I don't think he's ever been face, has he? Uh, the Miz, he did have this kind of weird spell as a good guy when Flair taught him how to use the figure four. Yeah. He's feuding with Wade Barrett, but it didn't really work because, like you said, he's incredibly unlikable. But this year, the fans are finally getting on the Miz's side. And I know he's been going against people like Roman Reigns and Jason Jordan, but I think the fans have finally got some respect for him in a weird way. And I think if he was going to have, not to change his character completely, still have be that kind of arrogant but kind of be that cocky guy that you like you know like the rock kind of did in that way i'm not saying the miz is the rock yeah. but he didn't change his character when he turned did he you know so no, maybe he was still still the same kind of character yeah but i'd like to see the miz go it alone uh y- yes and, and that would be a good way if he was to turn good guy to prove that he you like know, i've been here 50 10 years i can finally beat these guys you know i'm good enough and try and build them up again you know Mark Tardis asks, 
Will Neville return? Now, there was some rumours about talks between uh, WWE and Neville going quite well this week and maybe a possibility of a return. What were your, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, at the beginning of the year, it was on tape that I said I'd like to see more of Neville. And I saw a load of Neville and I enjoyed every moment of it. And then when, you know, he was probably just as annoyed as I was that Enzo had won the title undeservedly. And, you know, you can't really blame him for quitting. And given the choice, I'll pick Neville over Enzo all day long, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, but I think the question is, I know you hate Enzo, but will Neville come back? Very rarely do we see people walking away or, you know, not showing up for their jobs and then coming back after a while. It doesn't usually work out. We, You know, CM Punk most famously walked out. We have seen it recently, Nia Jax coming back, but that's because she thought she could get away with it. She was told by The Rock, you know, if you're not happy, walk away. Whereas Neville, he's probably just really frustrated by it. And unless they're promising that you're going to come back into the card, have a, a viable, you know, pay-per-view match, viable feuds, I don't think Neville's going to do it. He's going to look at the success of people like Cody Rose and everybody on the independents and think, well, I, I can I can do that. You know what I mean? So Yeah, or he could have a shave. <laughs> Come back and be a face. <laughs> so <coughs> it depends what they want to do with Neville, really. Um, I have got a couple of more shout outs, I like to say. Uh, first off, Kenny Parrish wrote in, this is from today, and said, James, are you over Drew's defeat last night? Uh, I am not, and I don't think I'll ever be. Uh, right, Kira Knight, she says, I wish Dan would have picked Bliss because of her talent rather than her looks. Now, Dan, can we please respond? To all these comments we're getting, thinking we just, or you base women on their looks. Can you just explain Alexa Bliss for everybody? I don't know. Um, I like Alexa Bliss's attitude. I like the way she is. I like the way she goes about business. You know, I think she's great in the ring as well. It's not solely based on looks. And, you know, even though I do have a soft spot for her, it's, no, I just I just think she's a great in-ring performer and a, just a general character is brilliant. I mean, and th- this is the thing that I, I think you have to be careful now as well, is the fact is, because she is attractive, you're given a chance because of that, or do people think, oh, you're going to make a decision because of what she looks like. If she looked like Piper Niven, would you be, you know, an advocate for her? And as we proved on the May Young Classic, uh, we, we were saying how great she was and all these yeah. women in the past, you know. We we did the top 25 women. It's done in our podcast. There's one thing that's not sexist, you know, because we've proven over time that we actually treat the women with respect. And we did that way back when we started in 2015 on, um, on the... We, we treated the women's matches seriously, even though they were still divas on WWE television. We talked about the NXT women's division. We talked about Alexa Bliss last year in NXT. So anybody wants to go back and thinks it's just because she's come up to the main roster, go back and when her and Camilla were in NXT and what we talk about them then, you know? Indeed, yes. Uh, Dan also talks about tight-ripped body of Randy Orton. We don't have anybody writing in and complaining about that. Indeed. <laughs> See? But anyway, no, I just because obviously we get all the positive comments in the world, but sometimes yeah. we get a couple of negative ones. And I just, you know, Kieran and I, you're obviously a listener to the WNL podcast, and uh, we, we respect you for your, you know, your, your comment in. If you've got anything else to say, we don't mind responding. And finally, Rich Boyle said that the entrances for the main event will be worth the price of admission alone. And I, and I think he's probably right, you know. Um, <laughs> most definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Well, you know how we like our themes and, you know, James is a big fan of Bobby Roode's 
glorious theme. You know, we both like Shinsuke Nakamura. I like Randy Orton's entrance. So, you know, just for the Raw versus SmackDown match, I think it's going to be, well, we're just going to turn the music up loud and probably just listen to their entrances and not listen to the rest of the match. Yeah, no, I think it will be. Glorious! Of course, I've got the glorious button with me. So, yes, I am going to use it. Uh, at the moment in time, we should sound a live show. It's Matt Hardy versus GPD. So, shall we do it now? Predictions. I think we will. We've we've written down the matches all to take place. Of course, anybody that's never seen or never heard of the podcast before, we have three different prediction leagues. We have one for NXT, pay-per-views, and, of course, bonus points. We'll explain that more on the next podcast, but let's open them up now. Before the match ends. Yeah, before the match ends, just in case. Now, they're all in a sealed envelope, so we can't doctor and or change what we've gone for. And uh, I have no idea who's going to go first, so I'm just going to... I'll go for... I don't mind going first. Uh, I think this match, winner GPD. Um, I think this match, the winner, GPD. GPD, okay, right. So, I mean, reasons for it before the match finishes. Any any, any reasons? Um, well, two reasons I'm going to give you. And yep. one of them, GPD is on a bit of a hot streak and he's been given a bit of a push. Despite him being on the kickoff show. Oh. Um, and the second is, I think Matt Hardy needs to be broken. Yes, I completely agree with you. Defeat after defeat, kind of sending down this kind of dark world and have the broken Matt Hardy. Apparently talks between them and Anthem are going quite well at the moment. Uh, they are indeed. He's, I think he's putting in a requisition for it in December. And... Given that no one opposes it for 30 days, he can use it. And I think that roughly turns out the same time as Raw 25. Yeah, so that would be so, a great way of happening. Uh, what is Elias Sampson's finisher? I... Drift away. Okay, well, he's just hit that on Matt Hardy to win the match. So that means the first point of the night does go to us. So it's a good start, I tell you. Well, <laughs> at least we're guaranteed one point for yeah, tonight. Exactly, yeah, uh, Yeah, GPD's very strong hill. The, the, the defeat to Jason Jordan kind of surprised me. Because of how popular uh, GPD is, but uh, that's it. That's the start of the predictions. Uh, before we move on, because we are going to talk about Raw and SmackDown, but actually, I want to move on to games because I do enjoy the games that we do. So we'll do Raw and SmackDown in a minute. So games, we've got a couple here. We've got one for me, one for you. Now we're going to bring back one of these games that we started so many episodes ago. It's it's become its own machine basically. And yes, we are working on t-shirts, and it is back here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's Elephant or F One. So, Dan, I will be playing this game. I'm only going to ask for one because I know how difficult it is. Vocal chords and we've they, got another... They've not quite recovered from singing <laughs> Alistair Black's <laughs> theme yesterday. And anybody who didn't believe what Dan just said, you can listen to it next week when it gets released and you can hear him singing. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll do a very good version of you, it personally. You do a brilliant version of it. But, okay, so one elephant or F1. Dan, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know. We're live here. Well, I've, I've written one down. Right. And I'm going to go for it. Okay. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. Take it away. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, it could be a really fast elephant, but I'm going to say it's F1 car. Dan, can you please show me? It is F1. Yes! Yes! I, 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 I'll tell you what that was. Glorious! Yes, I won F1 or Elephant. Thank goodness. All right, Dan, well, it's your turn now. 
Because last night we played Guess the NXT Tune on a live kickoff. Yeah. Five out of five. What I've got, I've got three songs lined up here, or three entrance themes. I'm going to play one for you, and you're going to tell me what it is. Please wait until I've played the whole track so we can get a definitive answer, okay? So first one, here we go. That is Bret Hart. You're saying Bret Hart. Let's have a listen. I'm sorry, it's Natalia. (laughs) 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 Natalia. Well, you wanted it more difficult. So, unfortunately... Well, you did only give me the first bit. If I'd have heard it all, I would have said, I would have known it sounded slightly different. Why do you think I did that for? Okay, next one. Very easy one. That is uh, Mick Foley. That's Mick Foley. Let's have a listen. (laughs) (laughs) That's Razor Ramon, Dan. I'm sorry. Razor Ramon. No for two. Right. Third one, can you pull around? Guess that tune. Here we go. Third and final one. Dan? Pete. Oh, uh, do you know what? I'm going to give you that. I was going to say Team USA, the Survivor Series 1997 team, but I will give you the Patriot which is Kurt Angle's theme tune. So you get one out of uh, three down. Fair play. You kind of guessed what I was doing after a little while there, weren't you? But you wanted it more difficult. I'm so glad that the Italian one and the Razor Ramon one worked. Uh, so that is the games, basically. So what we're going to do now is we're going to have a little chat about Raw and SmackDown. So we talked about Raw and SmackDown, the European Tour on Friday. And today we're going to talk about Raw and SmackDown because, of course, this is Survivor Series kickoff. So we're nearly there. So, Dan, if you want to start what you call the... The Raw Review. Take it away. Well, Stephanie McMahon questioned Kurt Angle about down invasion. She ridiculed him for choosing Jason Jordan as a fifth member of Team Raw and letting John Cena join Team SmackDown. She looked to be moments away from firing him when The Shield arrived. Dean Ambrose went to bat for Angle. McMahon responded by laying into him and his crew. Well, the McMahon-Angle portion of the segment went rather long, but it wasn't without purpose. McMahon's presence had a pressure for Angle, reminding us of the Survivor Series match, and the energy picked up once the shield arrived. Well, the attitude Reigns exuded worked. He's looking more and more comfortable with a mic in his hand. WWE leaned on him a lot, and he looked plenty confident in the lead role. Yeah, despite his short build, the New Day versus the Shield has some solid momentum. A simple revenge story is underway, and the climax promises to be... Well, up next, we had uh, a, ma- a triple threat match for the final available in the Raw Women's Survivor Series match, and it was Mickey James versus Bailey versus Dana Brooke. And Alicia Fox, Banks, Oscar, and Nia Jax all stood near the entrance ramp to take in the action. Sorry, who? It was the first one, not Alicia Fox, is it? Alicia Fox! Thank you. Well, Bailey was able to yank Mickey James out of the ring to focus on Dana Brooke. The huggable one remained in Kondrech, but James battled back to go on a flurry of her own. Brooke made the mistake of hitting Oscar, earning her a kick to the jaw. And in the aftermath, 
Bailey knocked off James with a Bailey to Bailey. Then she joined Fox and the rest of the team Raw to celebrate. Well, a commercial break ran over much of the action, and the portion of the bout we did see was solid. The clear highlight was Oscar cold cocking Brooke, which was a smart way to remind us of how dangerous she was. The announcers did well to play up James's Survivor Series record. This kind of stat-based supplement should be used more option. Up next, we had Drew Gulak and Enzo Amore versus Kalisto and Akira Tazar. Ah, 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 Enzo Amore talked himself up before Kalisto and Akira Tazawa arrived. The baby faces were in control to kick things off, but a Drew Gulak knee shifted things in a hurry. Gulak punished Tazawa. Kalista rolled over his foes with fast-paced offence soon after, though. Amore was able to roll up Tazawa amid a, co- a chaotic ending. Well, Gulak's stick has been raw surprise hit. It would have been great to see more of it here. Amore, meanwhile, was losing momentum on the mic as his bits haven't been nearly as entertaining as of late. Like they was entertaining to begin with. <laughs> The Cruiserweights packed a good amount of action into this tag team contest. It was a high-energy affair that ended with a display of Amore's craftiness. Then up next, we had The Miz, Cesaro and Sheamus, and they bask in their own greatness. The Miz dismissed Baron Corbin, boasting about being better than his Survivor Series opponent. Cesaro and Sheamus bragged about their title win, and the champs trashed the Usos. Well, this segment dragged badly. No one had much material to work with, and they had to stretch it out. It all seemed to deflate the audience. The upcoming champion against champion match is going to be good, but WWE failed to sell it properly here. Cesaro having to do interviews while wearing a mouth guard is a bad idea. It would be vastly better idea to reinvent him as a silent killer while his teeth heal. Do you know why he's constantly wearing the mouth guard? Why? Because he's wearing braces and they don't want them to be seen on TV. Really? That's it. Well, that is it. There was a rumour going round. Rumour has it. That Vince McMahon found the way he was talking to be funny of an inside joke. Oh, and he no. wanted to run with that. And I wish that was true, but it's because yeah, he's got braces. That. Up next, we've got the newly mem- the newly uh, promoted member of Team Raw's men's SmackDown team. And that was Jason Jordan going against Bray Wyatt. And the match begin- began with a stalemate, but Jordan was able to overpower Bray Wyatt. He suplexed the Eater of Worlds around the ring. An errant dive outside, though, left Jason Jordan hurting. Wyatt pounced, focusing on his left knee. He had the baby face beat, but Jordan rolled him up for a surprise win. In response, Wyatt blasted him after the bell. And then backstage, Jordan begged Angle not to pull him from Team Raw. Yeah, but I mean, the fans clearly aren't sold on Jordan, but he continues to come through against quality foes. And there's no doubt he's a good wrestler, but he's better off in American Alpha than it was hurting him in this way, kind of single competition, isn't it, you know? I mean... If if Jordan's out of Team Raw, why the fuck is Bray Wyatt not considered to be a member of that team? What has happened to Bray Wyatt, a man who was WWE champion this year's WrestleMania? What what's happened? WWE are punishing him for cheating on JoJo. It must be, mustn't they? It must be something like this that we don't know about because I've never, apart from Rusev, there was not a morally poor wrestler. I would say on the main roster right now is in Bray Wyatt. I think I think it's a fucking disgrace. That he's not featured more. Sorry about that rant, but Dan, what happened next? We had Paul Heyman, and he hypes up AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar. And Heyman talked up Lesnar versus Styles at Survivor Series. He noted that Styles has the speed advantage, calling him the ultimate opponent. The advocate, though, reminded everyone that is destructive force. When it comes to promoting the match, there is no one better than Paul Heyman, is there, you know? Nah. 
Well, it didn't matter that WWE has less than a week left to hype this match after spending the past few weeks building up Mahal versus Lesnar. Heyman came in and sold the hell out of this bout. He painted Styles as a dangerous foe and an underdog who will get devoured come Sunday. Yeah, suddenly this showdown feels bigger and more intriguing. Well, it's going to be a lot, lot better than the match that Jinder Mahal was going to have. Going oh, yeah, without a doubt. But uh, like I said, I've, I've talked about the Jinder Mahal thing as well. So I'm a bit... Um, I, I will enjoy the match as long as it's not a Brock Lesnar squash. But I've, we'll talk more about that, I think, during the match, you know, <laughs> as opposed to right now. But after that was The Shield versus Cesaro, Sheamus and The Miz. Yes, Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas stood by as The Miz and The Bar went into battle. The Shield worked as a cohesive unit, battering Cesaro early on. The Hills, though, looked, took control by wailing on Ambrose. Soon, the match grew chaotic and The Shield has The Miz on the run. When Reigns finally charged in, he bowled over Cesaro and his crew. Cheap Shots had the big dog down for a moment, but he and The Shield prevailed. A triple powerbomb did The Miz in. It is great to have The Shield doing its thing again. This was wild, electric fun. The near falls mesmerised, the energy of the bout sizzled. The Shield got quite the warm-up bout here, and having the Miz eat the pin was a smart move, as the bar avoided the direct defeat, while the Weasel Intercontinental Champ is hot enough that he can shake off a loss like this. There's only one Weasel. And yeah, no, to God be rest fair, his soul. Here is, yeah. Well, Angle announced that Jordan was too hurt to compete. Jordan, though, came out to convince his father to change his mind. A limping Jordan begged to be on the squad. McMahon emerged to push Angle to make his scheduled announcement. Before he could, guess who come out, James? Was it some young up-and-coming wrestler who deserved the spot and deserved the opportunity like this? Um, no. Is it a wrestler maybe that hasn't been used a lot uh, in, in recent times and deserved the spotlight as well? Um, no. No. Was it, a, was it the fucking CEO of the company who decided to put him back in main fucking roster head? Pictures for no fucking reason. Ding, 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 ding. God almighty. I don't sound like an old man. I'm always moaning on this. I'm always moaning. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, who was it? (laughs) You know, you might have guessed it was Triple H, and he stomped out and stared down Angle. The game announced himself as Team Raw's fifth member. Uh, Jordan, right, at the uh, uh, as the begging, tearful babyface, is is an awful look for him. All he needs is his mama there to make sure that the, the J- Jason Jordan character. I don't know what the fuck they're doing, and the WWE help is not helping him make him look so pathetic. You know. Well, can I just say that you've got the titles of Randy Orton, the titles of John Cena, the titles of Triple H, the titles of uh, Kurt Angle, and the title of Bobby Roode. But WWE is making this match feel like a big deal with Angle, Cena, Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, and now Triple H. But the thing is, like, I, I don't know. I, we haven't seen John Cena. Triple H back in now. I mean, great. Kurt Angle sort of I, I Maybe I am just getting old, but I'm not that excited to see guys who have been wrestling for the past 20 fucking years. And now because they're back, we're meant to get excited again. I don't, I don't understand it. But Raw wasn't finished yet, was it? Because it's three hours long. No, and it was Finn Balor and Samoa Joe teaming up against the club Gallows and Anderson. <laughs> well, so they wanted to be in the same ring as Finn Balor, so now they've got their wish, but they're going against him. And Balor and Joe surprisingly worked well together, the rivals leaving Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson reeling. The Hills, however, took control by beating on Balor. Once Joe got the hot tag, he laid waste to everyone. He cleared the path for Balor to pin Anderson for the victory. 
Yeah, I mean, Joe and Bella looked great as a unit. They were compelling as an odd couple squad, but we didn't get to see much of it in the match that saw Bella take a lot of punishment. It's odd that WWE didn't mention these two used to be a tag team at NXT, because that would have added some storyline depth, and God forbid we have some storyline depth on WWE. Anyway, two got a boost here, which is no-brainer booking. <sighs> what event, next? Yeah, main event, Dan. We had the Monster Among Men going against the Big Red Machine. Now, this match... Oh, my <laughs> God. My God. Wow. <laughs> well, an angry, focused Strowman smashed on Kane. He had the Big Red Machine retreating in the opening moments. The fight, of course, moved to the outside, where Kane introduced a steel chair into the fight. Strowman slammed canvas and went through the ring. The two monsters were hidden from view as the show ended, and the match ends in a no con. The ending was equally cool and confusing. It wasn't clear what happened with Kane and Strowman, but the monster of men, the monster among men, was part was again part of a creative moment where he destroys something. I, I really didn't like. It. I get sick of it. The thing is about a special moment like this. I know Strowman's a these kind of things we see someone put through the ring. Happens once every 10 years. Do you know what I mean? Not once every six months. And if you keep doing stuff like this, it no longer becomes special. And I know Strowman's done a lot of things. Put people through stages. Put people through fucking cages and that. But at a certain point, it it becomes a bit ridiculous when you try and think of these things. Why don't you have him winning matches and have him, you know, going for a title and look competitive against Brock Lesnar rather than losing after one F5? Why don't, why don't you do that instead? WWE continues to treat... Kane and Strowman are special attractions because Kane is still, you know, the kind of the big red machine. Anyway, what did you think of Raw this week? Um, it wasn't too bad, I suppose. You know, the who would you rather have seen on Team Raw? Was, would it have been Triple H or would it have been Jason Jordan? In all honesty, it would have been Jason Jordan. Yeah, because it would have something interesting, younger guy. Uh, you know, having maybe turn with Kurt Angle or something like this, and and at least having a chance to go against these names. Whereas Triple H has faced all these guys. Apart from, you know, Nakamura and Rude. Apart from them. But I, I don't know. We're going to talk a lot about it, you know, when we run through the cards uh, in a little bit. But now we move on to Tuesday night. WWE Smackdown. Do you call it, Dan? The Smackdown Summary. Yeah, take it away. Well, we start off with a Daniel Bryan promo. Well, Bryan kicked off this week's show to a thunderous evasion, discussing the attitude and the heart of Smackdown Live. He speculated that Triple H was added to Team Raw because the red brand is embarrassed and desperate with the 25th anniversary of Raw coming up. Brian vowed SmackDown would counter Raw's attack and stand tall, which is why he is proud to bleed blue. Brian introduced WWE Champion AJ Styles to a thunderous evasion and the general manager mocked Paul Heyman, introducing his client Styles to WWE Universe. Brian put over Styles, playing up the idea that Brock Lesnar is big and strong, but he cannot match the phenomenal ones, smarts, stamina or heart. Styles agreed with Heyman's assertions from Monday night that he is the underdog. He embraced the role, but vowed to leave the winner Sunday night at Survivor Series when he meets the Beast Incarnate in singles competition. Well, Brian countered Randy's proclamations and put over the traits that will allow Styles to beat Lesnar Sunday night. The WWE champion accepted his role as the underdog, never suggested he can hang with Lesnar's size and furor, and did just enough to put over a match that is literally only two weeks in the making. But then we had a fantastic championship match next. Yes, of course, we had the United States Championship match. Again, the winner would go on to Fizz. 
And that was Sin Cara versus Baron Corbin. And Sin Cara challenged United States champion Baron Corbin for the title in a match weeks in the making. Back from the break, Sin Cara exploded back into the match with a fiery comeback. A springboard body block put Corbin down for two and a moonsault to the arena floor had the champion reeling. The lone wolf, though, was able to thwart the challenge of his top contender and score the victory, earning himself a trip to Survivor City. He will battle Raw's The Miz. Well, for a match that received the build-up it did, guess what? This was somewhat of a disappointment. Sin Cara in particular failed to maintain the intensity he had shown in weeks past. With that said, the Masked Superstar was allowed to shine him in defeat, getting the signature stuff in before succumbing to his opponent. But I don't know if you saw that video of Sin Cara injuring his leg or looked look like having a difficult landing. So maybe he's suffering something, but because he's actually getting a push right now, he's stick with it and obviously not you know, fully fit. But anyway, Corbin versus Miz, after everything that's been set up to this point on social media... Uh, it's really the only option. I mean, you know what I mean? It can only be that. Yeah. And up next, we have another title match, and it is the SmackDown Women's Championship match, Charlotte Flair versus Natalia. Charlotte had the opportunity to dethrone Natalia just days before Survivor Series. If successful, she would cash her ticket for a showdown with Raw's beautiful Alexa Bliss, and Natalia would join Team SmackDown to battle the red brand. The number one contender controlled the action early, forcing Natalia to the sanctuary of the outside, heading into the commercial break. Charlotte continued to dominate the action until an ill-fated figure-eight attempt that Natalia countered by kicking her opponent face-first into the middle turnbuckle. Natalia tried for the sharp, Charlotte countered into a roll-up. An exploder suplex in the corner followed, but the Queen of Hearts was able to escape the ring. It did her no favours as Charlotte blasted her with a kick to the face at ringside. Charlotte climbed onto the guardrail, but Natalia grabbed her and delivered a powerbomb into the steel post. Her back racked in pain. Charlotte screamed as she inched towards the bottom rope while trapped in the vaunted sharpshooter. She finally grabbed the rope and forced the hole to be broken. Charlotte fought her way to score the title, defeating her longtime rival with the figure eight. After the match, Charlotte dedicated her victory to her father, Ric Flair, and promised to make the beautiful Bliss bow down to her at Survivor Series. The Nature Boy made an appearance after the match to a huge ovation, congratulating his daughter on her victory. Charlotte and Natalia seemingly incapable of having a bad match, always delivering a quality performance when the lights are brightest. Charlotte winning the title has been expected since she arrived on SmackDown Live, but executing it here in the hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, was a smart move on the part of WWE Creative. Having a father there to witness her victory was even better, as it allows the company to play to the buzz surrounding the recent 30 for 30 Nature Boy documentary that aired on ESPN. While the multitude of title changes appeared devil and well thought out, this was the one that made sense and was executed to perfection. Up next, we've got Chad Gable going against Jimmy Uso. The Usos cut a promo about Sheamus, Cesaro and their match Sunday at Survivor Series. Jimmy Uso battled Chad Gable in a singles competition, putting himself at the risk of an injury just days before the huge showdown with the bar. Gable controlled the match coming out of the break, but Uso was able to dodge a moonsault and plant him with a superkick. A Samoan drop and running hip attack nearly earned him the victory. Gable fought back into the bout, delivering a rolling kick before sending Jimmy face first into the turnbuckle. Gable blasted an interfering Jey Uso at ringside, only to turn around and eat another superkick. This one enough to put him down for the count. Well, Jimmy Uso's victory allows the tag team champions to roll into Sunday's show for their match with Cesaro and Sheamus with a bit of momentum, 
while simultaneously laying the foundations for a showdown with Gable and Shelton Benjamin, wherever that program heats up and takes off. The action here was strong. Gable demonstrated an intensity he has not had the chance to show since his main roster call-up, and to the point that commentator Tom or Todd Phillips called attention to it. More of that will be a welcome addition to his performance. The main event for SmackDown was The New Day versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And days before a hotly anticipated showdown with The Shield, The New Day headlined this week's show battling Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a high-profile tag team main event. The New Day cut a promo ahead of its showdown with Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. The group cracked jokes about dogs versus unicorns before Big E said New Day had never betrayed or turned on each other. A nice reminder of the fact that The Shield has fractured once before. New Day, represented by Xavier Woods and Big E, frustrated the hills early. But an alert Owens pulled Woods to the floor, delivered a running senton to seize control of the belt, heading into the break. Owens isolated Woods, trapped him in a side headlock. The hot tag had New Day to fight his way back into the match. Woods launched himself over the top rope and onto Owens, while his partner set Zayn up for a big belly-to-belly. The match stopped and opponents stood side by side as the Shields music played and the trio hit the ring. Owens and Zayn bailed, but a brawl between the two trios erupted. I tell you something that was really cool. The Zayn and Owens thing when they were in the ring and it looked like the five of them going to be there and they're like, nah, fuck yeah. And they went, I was like, oh, that's classic, that is. Yeah. The Shield obliterated Big E, Woods and Kofi Kingston until the Usos hit the ring. Again, so- sorry to interrupt, but that was a really cool bit when the Usos ran in as well. And it's it all about like, family. It's Roman Reigns, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was like, oh, do we? What do we do? Like, and I love that little... And then they got fucked up by the shield. Yeah, yes. Seamus and Cesaro arrived on the scene and the brawl grew larger. Backstage, the women of Raw attacked the women of SmackDown, paying them back for the Under Siege attack weeks earlier. The room spilled out into the ring, attacking the SmackDown superstars until the blue brand's top competitors hit the ring to make the save. At the top of the ramp, Raw general manager Kurt Angle appeared and waved on Braun Strowman, who tore through any and all in his path. SmackDown commissioner Shane McMahon made the mistake of taking the fight to him, only to endure a big boot. Can I tell you something as well? When Strowman came out, who's the first person he fucking twatted? That rider. Next one was old cunt face. I was like, yeah, pick a fool and stay! The Shield forced a prone McMahon to watch his superstars dismantled at ringside. A three-on-one stomping ensued while Raw... Talent talked trash and took shots at the prodigal son. With Shield holding McMahon, Angle entered the ring and came face to face with his former rival. Reigns, Ambrose and Rollins put an exclamation point on the beating with two triple powerbombs the Angle slam, leaving McMahon unconscious in the centre of the ring to wrap up the show. One thing I felt a bit odd was when Strowman did come in and then the rest of the Shield are there and I'm like, you guys stand next to each other even after all these problems. I just felt a little bit like... And, and then I was like, oh well. But don't you, know, don't you like that? The unity against the common enemy. Yeah, but they're going to get drafted over and they'll be doing this for the Raw team next year. Do you know what I mean? These SmackDown guys. And I can understand it, but I don't think it's it's like, you know, you're going to get tackled with Raw on you, are you? Do you know what I mean? But this was a first-class ass-kicking with Team SmackDown, though, as the Raw brand laid waste to everyone from the New Day all the way up to Commissioner Shane McMahon. It was wild, chaotic beatdown that may have been more affected than the SmackDown attack a few weeks back. It played out in front of the audience and thus benefited from the reaction of a red-hot crowd. Angle looked absolutely ruthless as he sentenced Shane McMahon to a beating and the Raw brand looked even more dominant with a massive Strowman representing it. A phenomenal conclusion to the show and an excellent way to put over the issues between the two shows ahead of Sunday's massive encounter. 
Yeah, I think SmackDown was much better than Raw this week, and it's a perfect way of doing it before Survivor Series. This is the show you needed, wasn't it, really? So I think it's great. Any final comments on it, Dan? No, again, you know, you, you said it correctly. I think SmackDown definitely was better. They had the siege payback. I knew it was going to be coming at some time. And, you know, it's good to see, and it's been building up this Survivor Series match brilliantly. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a perfect, exactly. I wasn't that excited about it, but seeing all this, I know shit's going to go tonight. The Raw Review and the SmackDown Summary. Well, that's it for this week, uh, and we move on back to a live show. So we are back on the live show, and we should say that it is Enzo versus Kalisto at this moment in time, but don't worry because you can listen to this match on the Survivor Series actual pay-per-view. I mean, it's not been too bad, this match at this time. Should we do predictions, Dan? And uh, I have gone for Enzo in this one. And can you tell everybody listening live who you've gone for? Why did you make me do this shit? <laughs> well, I've gone for Enzo the twat. Oh, they're gone, the man you hate. The man who just went for a dual dance on Kalisto and missed. The match is still going on. Uh, we should say we had the Miz on the social media lounge, lounge with uh, Charlie Caruso asking a few questions. The Miz being his kind of um, nasty best, really, and asking a question and saying that Miz is A-list, Corbin is B+. And as we're talking, Kalisto just got caught up in a turnbuckle. Giordanzo, Enzo is still Cruiserweight champion. What were your thoughts on the match, Dan? Um, oh, wow. an undeserving victory for Enzo again, isn't it, really? It's, you know, a, another cheat to win for him. It's, you know, I've, I've got nothing good to say about him. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was over uh, pretty quickly. It was less than 10 minutes. Enzo, underhanded tactics to get the victory, but it is what it is, isn't it, you know, and we're going to see a next challenger, Frenzo Mori now, we have to ask, what's next for Kalisto, uh, I'm not sure, what, what would you want to see Kalisto do next, do you want to see him, hang around 205 Live, or what would you do? Uh, I don't know, you know, I think after being beaten by Enzo Mori a few times, it's enough to ruin anyone's career, isn't it? Yeah, it is, this is a problem, and uh, this we'll see if he can recover. So that is two matches down on kickoff, and that means we've got two points each down. Great way to start off Survivor Series. One more match on the kickoff, which is going to be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Breezango. But by that time, we'll probably be off the air. There is 43 minutes left till Survivor Series. We're going to run down the card, but this is all about fun. So I'm going to try something now that we've never done the podcast before. It might not work. I just don't know, but... There's certain wrestling theme songs that there are about. And, you know, everybody loves a good wrestling theme song. We talked about Bobby Roode, haven't we? Bobby Roode's course entrance theme is... Uh, Glorious! we got other ones, Nakamura, Randy Orton. But I like the ones you can sing along to and not necessarily the ones with words. Now, I'm going to give you an example. We've been playing around with this. So let's see if it works. I am going to sing along to this entrance theme. You can join in if you want, Dan, and we'll see how good it sounds. And if anybody at home knows the theme tune, sing along. So here's the intro. So everybody recognises that? It's Alberto Del Rio. It's Alberto Del Rio. And you're thinking to yourself, OK, but how can you sing along to that? Well, I found a way, ladies and gentlemen, that when you're in the shower, either tomorrow or the next day, You'll be doing this. This is the extended intro for Alberto. Yeah. 
I'm ready, Dad. I'm ready. My name, yes, my name is my name, Alberto Del Rio. Gonna give it a go, Dan? No. My name is my name is my name, Alberto Del Rio. I think that really works. You know? <laughs> I like. Is, yeah, you know, that, that could work with his theme tune. Yeah, exactly. Give you that one. The only reason I did that live is so it gave a chance not to be edited out. This is going out as is. And that is Alberto Del Rio. And if you stay tuned to the WNL podcast, I'll be finding other wrestling themes that you can sing along to. Uh, so let's run down the card, Dan. We've got some huge matches here tonight. We've got seven matches on the pay-per-view, ten altogether. So if we just pick a match and then we'll do what we did last night on the NXT TakeOver. Just talk about it. So, first match you want to pick and talk about, Dan? Um, well, I'm going to go for the team warfare, and that is the Shield versus the New Day. You know, we had the question earlier, why was the Shield formed? You know, why was it brought back together again? And, you know, is it a perfect matchup for the Shield versus New Day? I think it is. I think when you've got... When you think of two teams over the past maybe five to ten years, that big impact in the WWE I think you have to look at the Shield of course the way they are and of course you look at the New Day as well and what they've been, the New Day so successful, no one thought they would be as successful as this, you know four time WWE Tag Team Champions and with the Shield involved you know, uh, it's two teams you want to see, I'm a bit disappointed about the, the amount of build up we had it's only come together recently maybe that's in point of Roman Reigns you know, with his uh, or not be able to make it to be in this match I want to see the Shield be dominant in this one and I want to see a kind of where to go with the Shield as well towards Wrestlemania if they are going to be a unit you know because Ambrose Rollins no longer tag team champions now so they don't really need to be together could this be the last time we see the Shield here tonight you know well as including Ambrose and Rollins being a tag team and Roman being part of that yeah exactly is this the last time that we see them all together that are going to be interesting uh, to see later, you know. And and is there a possibility maybe a new day turn? Well, potentially. Um, but you know, with with the new day as a unit, have they been arguably more successful than the Shield? I think if you look at it, you maybe say, yeah, the new day have been more because successful. they've had like the longest title run of modern day era, the longest tag team title run ever, I do believe. Yes, yeah, the, the longest modern... Yeah, the tag team title, they, they beat Demolitions record, didn't they? So they've got all that going for them. You would obviously say single success for um, the Shield, but we're not counting that, are we? We're counting no. it as a group. And I think you're right with the New Day. It would be really interesting to see what they do. I'm expecting it to potentially be a match of the night. I think the three t- we saw what the New Day did with the Usos and Hell in a Cell a uh, couple of weeks back, and we know how good the Shield are, so... I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, same as as well. You know, it's I like seeing teams working together as well. And, you know, I, I, I do think the Shield will probably work better together. They've got more big dogs, so to speak. But again, you can't count out the New Day because, you know, they've overcome a lot of odds. They had a very impressive title run, as we mentioned. And, you know, they've they've been together throughout their entirety as opposed to the Shield who have 
been together, broken up, got back together again. This is one of the things that New Day said as well, as we talked about. They said they've never turned on each other, unlike the Shields, so you have to ask yourself questions there. All right, we talk about champions versus champions. Uh, Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte, do you think that's a good match? Not really, no. <laughs> Why? Um, because I don't really see Alexa Bliss's chances in this match too well. You know, Charlotte, she's just won the title. She had a very impressive pay-per-view streak a little while ago. Um, she's just got the good news about her father getting a lot better. So I think that's probably going to go in her favour. Not that it really should count for much, but you know it's going to. Yeah. And... Yeah, you know, it, it might surprise us and be a good match, but I'm looking more forward to in the women's aspect of the women's Raw versus SmackDown match. We'll get on to that in a second, but I, I think with Charlotte and Bliss, you've got two of probably the two biggest women's stars last year. Alexa Bliss managing to come over to Raw, become a SmackDown and Raw women's champion. When we, you thought it was going to be Charlotte, I thought it would be Charlotte as well that would do it. She has obviously done that now. Uh, but I think credit to Bliss to kind of fight through the four horsewomen that there's been there, to fight through all this kind of thing and still be on top. I think, yes, with her against Charlotte, Charlotte will be the favourite in this match. But I think Bliss can show that she does belong. And anybody who thinks maybe, you know what I mean, this might, won't be a good match, I think we might be surprised a little bit. But yeah, we'll move on then to talk about the uh, Raw Team Raw versus Team SmackDown women's match. Why does that excite you then? Um, well, one name that stands out, and that's Oscar. I think, you know, hopefully if they book it right, she's going to show her dominance in this match. It's going to be a bit of a, a tough match. I'd like to see a Nia Jax versus Tamina Snooker standoff. Because, yes. you know, they're, they're both like the kind of destructive forces, so to speak. And, you know, it'd be good to see a stare down between them two. Um, and, you know, inevitably Lynch and Fox might, you know, come to headers as well, being the captains of their respective teams. Uh, but, you know, in an ideal world, I'd like to see Fox, Jax, Banks and Bailey get eliminated. Oscar just completely wiping Lynch, Carmella, Naomi and Tamina yeah. off the map. Really. Yeah, I completely agree with that, you know. Oh, and Natalia as well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, fuck Natalia. No, we've talked about it and it's like Oscar needs to be dominant in this match. Even a loss for her, count out or anything like this in this match, will take away from the kind of Oscar kind of dominance that we know and love. She needs to put in a performance. But I will, I do think that we are going to see Becky Lynch putting a hell of a performance in this match as well. She's been on a bit of a roll as of late. And uh, we saw her earlier on the, the kickoff show kind of rousing, you know, trying to get the troops ready for this match. I think Becky Lynch is going to play a, a vital role in it. Well, if Lynch ends up going against Banks or Bailey, you know, that could be quite a, an interesting turn of events as well. Both, you know, they're, they're friends and, you know, it's they, well, there's obviously been a lot of animosity in the SmackDown under siege and war under siege moments and they've taken turns beating each other up and, you know, just seeing it all blow up, really. Yeah, no, there's so many stories in, in especially it'd be interesting to follow. Uh, we talk about other matches. I mean, Baron Corbin versus The Miz. Are you really excited about this one? Um, again, it's it's not really one that tickles my fancy. They've had a good bit of build-up for it. I think throughout all the matches, the build-up for this one has probably been the best, you know, aside from Styles versus Lesnar 
because you've got Paul Heyman's aspect in there. Yeah. But, you know, going a bit personal over Twitter and sending each other videos, I think that was good. And, you know, just, just the whole way that they've come about like, to the header, really. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and the question asked earlier, can the Miz be a good uh, a baby face or a good guy? I think in this match, he has to kind of be the good guy because Corbin's got, obviously, the size advantage over him. And I think it'll be interesting to Miz in that way. Will the Miz charge be involved? Or because of all this kind of Twitter beef that we've seen, will the Miz think he can beat Baron Corbin because he's such a less champion than him, you know? And it'll be interesting what, where they see if it's the Intercontinental Champion or United States title, that's WWE think more of in this one. You know, at the moment, it looks like if we were going to talk about what's more important, Intercontinental or United States, I think it's definitely Intercontinental title at this moment in time, isn't it? You know? Yeah, definitely. You know, I know US title's going over to SmackDown and try to build it up a little bit, but I don't know. I think with the IC title, of course, you've got all that kind of history with it as well. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup. Go on, Dan, you can um, pick one. Well, another match that's a Hill versus Hill team, and that's the Bar versus the Usos. Um, you know, we've seen the Usos kind of reconcile with New Day, and they've called a Trousseau between <laughs> the two teams. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's who's going to be the faces, who's going to be the heels. <laughs> it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Because the Usos can play good guys, even though they've uh, gone down a dark alley recently. Cesaro and Sheamus are fun, but Cesaro can play the good guys. So, I, I, Ole, I think the about it is not only what happens in the match and the crowd reaction, but the actual winners as well, where it's going to be the Raw Tag Team Division, that will be the Kings or the SmackDown Tag Team Divisions. I mean, we talk about predictions. I mean, Prediction League, I've... Uh, obviously, I won the pay-per-view prediction, so with this Survivor Series one, kind of cavalier attitude, but I think for most of mine, I've, I've gone for Team Raw over SmackDown. And is that actually going to happen, or are they going to split it up evenly? You know, so potentially you one to help SmackDown if you include Charlotte with that as well. You know, Shield with Raw, you expect them to win. Uh, and then, we, you know, we've we've got a couple other uh, like matches as well, like uh, Champion versus Champion, Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. For me, that can only go one way, and that's a Lesnar victory. I don't know if you think any differently. Well, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the modern-day Maharaja, he's not on the card. He was expected to be. He was the one that actually initiated this whole... SmackDown versus Raw thing by challenging Brock Lesnar. So, you know, is he going to be a bit pissed off that he's he's basically been beaten for his title? And, you know, is he going to want to get a bit of revenge on Styles? Is he going to want to go headers with Brock Lesnar? You know, he certainly thinks he can. Well, this is the thing. AJ said that he's an underdog, isn't he, into this match. But we know how phenomenal AJ is. Um, I can't remember last time we had a good Brock Lesnar match. If anybody could bring it out, like we said with Jinder Mahal, AJ Styles bring out the match, uh, even though I think maybe the result. But then again, outside interference, maybe someone distracting Lesnar and setting up a feud with them. Because, you know, like we, you mentioned, because we saw the Goldberg thing, Lesnar's been champion since WrestleMania now. So he needs to keep busy on the road to main this year's, or next year's WrestleMania, maybe at the Royal Rumble. So maybe we might see a challenger there for him, or here tonight. You know, maybe Jinder Mahal comes out and beats up Brock Lesnar because he still wants his match. You know, we'll <laughs> maybe see that. Uh, and then we've got, of course, the, the main event, haven't we? What we're counting as a main well, event. Well, is it this match in its entire... Is it just this match that Kurt Angle's job's on the line? Or is it the whole pay-per-view, if Raw wins the pay-per-view, does that mean Angle's job's safe? You know, it's... Uh, yeah. 
But it is, it's certainly going to be an interesting match. You've got Angle, you've got a protected Strowman, you've got Balor, who's been quite protected, Joe, who's been quite protected, and the COO, who's too old and doesn't deserve his place in the team, according to you. Well, this is the interesting thing. I just want to run this for you, okay? So we're going to play now Guess the Age, all right? So we've got the, the two teams, all right? We've got, um, of course... We've got Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. So let's play the game. So Team Raw, Dan, how old do you think, or how old Kurt Angle? Uh, he's 39. 39. Uh, 49, sorry. <laughs> 49. Well, close enough, he's 40. We've got Kurt Angle, Triple H, Balor, Joe, and Braun. Should I ask, who is the youngest in that group? Balor. Balor, you, uh, Balor and how, how old do you think he is? 26. Balor is 36, and he is not the old, not the youngest one in here. Braun Strowman is the youngest guy here. 28. 34 years 34 old. 34 years old, bloody 34 hell. years old. Samoa Joe, do you want to guess his age? Uh, 37. 38 years old. And Triple H? 52. He's 48. So Kurt Angle, Triple H, both 48. You've got a 38 round with Joe. Balor's 36, Braun 34. Team Smackdown. There must be some young guys in Team Smackdown, Dan. Uh, Shane McMahon, how old do you think Shane McMahon is? 48. 48, he's 47. All right, Shane Orton, Rude Nakamura, Cena. Who's the youngest in that group? Um, I'm going to go with Nakamura. And how old? 36. You're close. He is 37. He's joint youngest with incredibly Randy Orton, who is also 37. Uh, Bobby Roode and John Cena... Both 40 years old. So in this match, yeah, you haven't got anybody younger than 34 years old, which is Braun Strowman. The oldest guys are Angle and Triple H. Now, in this era of kind of the WWE bringing up new talent, is that a bit of a surprise? Well, you look at the majority of is isn't that young. Styles isn't that young. Lesnar's not that young. Baron Corbin's quite young. Um, the Usos, well, they probably... Early 30s? Yeah, early 30s. I've actually got ages here. Incredibly, Brock Lesnar and uh, AJ Styles, both the same age. How old do you think they are? 37. Both 40 years old. <laughs> so you've got two 40-year-olds going both at champions, it. Both yeah, champions. Champion for champion. And you've got Kurt Angle and Triple H, who are both 48 in the main event. So basically the young youngsters are the women. Yeah, the, the, the youngsters are the women coming through the, you know, coming through it. Uh, it's an incredible thing. We'll talk about the match in a minute. I should just say at the moment in time that uh, we are going to see, of course, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Breeze Anger. They've come out here at the moment and they're basically just talking trash to the entire crowd. Uh, I mean, about this match, which way do you think it's going to go? Don't give away your predictions, but do you think this could be an incredible match? Yeah, it... It has the potential to be a very good match because, you know, it's got three of our favourites on one team, two of our favourites on another team, and, you know, some nostalgic wrestler, well, a nostalgic wrestler, Kurt Angle, Triple H, I'm neither here nor there with. I think we've seen far yeah, too much yeah, of yeah. him. Um, you know, we've got a wrestler that we've watched since he's debuted in NXT, so it'd be interesting to see you know, how he's came up through the ranks and... You know, how he's how he's going to fare up against some legends of the game, really. Well, what I want to see is Finn Balor putting a great display. I want to see Rude and Nakamura being used as main event stars. I don't want to see him being sacrificed so we can have, 
you know what I mean, Cena and Orton versus Angle and Triple H. I think that's pointless, especially with the kind of ages thrown in. Uh, Braun Strowman needs to be kind of unstoppable in this match, and I want to see Rude do something like this. With Orton, uh, a, a quick loss or an elimination in this match won't hurt him. Same with Shane McMahon, and uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Will we see kind of... Team SmackDown with Strowman as a kind of sole survivor. Will we see any interference? We talk about Jason Jordan. Will he be involved in this match? Will I mean, Kane be involved in this match? Will The Undertaker be involved in this well, match? Well, I tell you what, we're going to do any bold predictions. I'm going to say right now that we will see Kane and we will see Jordan involved. And I do believe we might see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn involved as well, depending on what happens in this match, you know. Uh, so that's anything else about that main event, Dan? Um, no, you know, as, as long as Randy Orton wins it for his team, I don't mind. <laughs> so, yes, we'll find out what happens. Uh, anything else about the Survivor Series? We've done basically all the kickoff now, Dan. Any anything else you want to say to the people listening to us? Uh, I just hope it's a good show. You know, we had a very incredibly good show last night for War Games. Yes, and I hope you know tonight lives up to the hype. Yes, yeah, let's hope. Oh. What? That is one big shame. What's the shame, Dan? No hype bros on the whole Yes, card. that is such a shame that we didn't see the hype bros. Uh, but that is it for Survive Series. We're going to uh, sit down and, and watch Breezango versus Owens and Zane in a minute. And don't forget, you can hear that on the WWE Survivor Series podcast. That is coming out on Wednesday. We'll bring in you the, the kickoff matches. And the Enzo, Kalisa, Cruiserweight, and of course this one that is on right now on Wednesday with the rest of the card, Prediction League, and everything else that goes in it. Uh, but that is it. Don't forget to follow us or let us know what you think. Follow us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or at Vince McDan, WWE. We also got a friend on Twitter. Yes, we have. We've got Mini Chris Benmire. You can come and find him and add him as a friend. He's at Mini Chris Benmire, and he's just trying to make the world a better place. I'm at J underscore Rose, and of course. All the Google platforms, WWE Network View on Google Plus. Send us an email at WNLpodcast at gmail.com. And we're all across Facebook. Facebook, you can come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Don't forget to subscribe to the WWE Network Review podcast page on YouTube. And also, we've got latest clips going up there at the same time. The podcast go up at the same time as do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Thank you for to us on Spreaker Radio, our live shows. Of course, we'll be back January 27th and 28th for our live shows where it's NXT TakeOver and the Royal Rumble. Stitcher Radio, iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is everything. I'm hoping Survivor Series can deliver. I know it's going to be five and a half hours long, but at least I hope there's a few matches that we can enjoy. But that is everything for this show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us along this weekend. And we're only getting started here on the WNR Podcast. As always, Dan Arm. Indeed, yes. We've got so much. In the month of December, we'll bring you Starcade, called Sting versus Hogan, finally. The WNR year-end awards and, of course, the year-end predictions. But that is it. I have been James Rollins and, as always, I was joined by... Damn right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. Bye.